Oh, what the... I always don't Let's... know what way to start these fucking things. Just say, we are live with Al Chana. <laughs> this morning we have the El Chaner. <laughs> I know I, the Wolf Brothers podcast today. We have my brother Sean, which is going to be who's going to be in. Right, I'm going to start this morning. This morning on the Wolf Brothers podcast, myself, Daryl, is going to interview our youngest brother, Sean, who is currently. In Thailand, or is it Thailand? Copenhagen, yeah. Copenhagen. Copenhagen in Thailand, so it's one of the islands down south. Sweet. So the the reason we're doing this podcast, I was I contacted Sean a couple of weeks ago. I was doing a little challenge that I'd set myself where I was in the forest for three days, three nights, with no food, no phone, no watch. Just being the Mac Tear Dove. with absolutely no distractions and one of the things that came to me on the last day was to do a podcast with Sean the reason being um, a lot of shit happened in the past obviously there's four brothers in our family so there's a lot of stuff happened Um, and we've moved on from that but as men, I feel that a lot of the time we move on from things, but we don't actually talk about what we're moving on from. So I just, it just came to me that it might be a good conversation for me and Sean, a good conversation, a healing conversation for us, and also probably very beneficial for other people um, who might have family members in addiction or that have gone down the wrong path or whatever it might be. I just think that this might resonate with a lot of people. So that was the idea behind the podcast. We haven't discussed what we're going to talk about so i wanted it to be raw authentic off the cuff um and yeah so we're just going to see what the what the hell comes that's out <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely what intrigued me from the start was when you said let's not plan this you're just going to ring me on a day and we're just going to talk and see what comes out because i wouldn't like to be sitting here and you interviewing me and me interviewing you and we're just back and forth with questions so it's interesting to see what kind of shit might come out of our mouths because who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. That's the way I wanted it. I was actually going to ring you without even discussing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. even telling you we're going to do a podcast, but that wouldn't have worked with the time difference over in Thailand and stuff. But um, no. firstly, I'm just going to ask you just to get it started. What? It's a vague question, but answer whatever way you want. What was it like being the youngest of the four of us brothers growing up? Where do you start with that? Let me think. Um, like, obviously, there was good and bad. Like, it's hard to... Obviously, when you look back on memories, I feel like even when you look back on school, for example, you always take the good memories and you kind of push away the bad memories. It's just a natural thing I think we all do. Mm-hmm. So when I look back at my childhood, the first things that always come back to me are all the good memories we had, knowing that we all had fucking little traumatic memories here and there. But without them, like, that's what molds you, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to, like, you don't dwell on these things, but I feel like I always kind of tend to look at the good memories and then a few of the bad memories get thrown in there. But I don't think it's a healthy thing to be pushing them to one side either. I think there's a lot of growth that comes back from looking back on them. Like, you can call them mini traumatic experiences, if you wish, because yeah. they're like everyone, every house, <laughs> every household has, like, experiences to go through as kids that, like, 
were traumatic in their own like little kid's brain at the time, but might seem traumatic now because you look back and be like, well, if that happened to me now, I deal with that very quickly, very easily. But that's only because you're molded into the character you are now. That makes sense? Yeah, 100%. I think what you were touching on there, it's those little mini traumatic events as kids can form different beliefs as you grow up. Mm -hmm. And also, I think those little mini traumatic events, they really, they're they're still very much a part of you in the Mm -hmm. way you go about your day-to-day life, like the way you react to things, the way you react to people. Um, If you're quick-tempered, I think that that all stems from those events when you're a kid. And it's only in looking back at them. I've experienced recently, it's only in looking back at them that you can change your perception of them to change your way of being at the present moment. Um, And what, like one question that I have always wanted to ask you, Owen, Shkormak, Back when I started drinking, like from the moment I started drinking when I was in school, I was always coming back to the the house here and all those emotions that I was suppressing with the alcohol, they were coming out in the family home, but they were coming out like anger, violence, Mm -hmm. like wrecking the place. What is your memory of that? I'm really intrigued to know. Yeah, it's it's mad even when I think back on that because sometimes I do just randomly like start looking back at all that like where it all started and mm. the first few memories i have of all that and obviously me being the youngest i looked up to you so i thought this was fucking great even though yeah. you were wrecking the place i was just looking at you as like oh he's living a fucking cool life <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. You know, like just the pure naivety of it all yeah. obviously like when you came back and Cormac took the brunt of it a lot of the time and like i'd be looking there and i'd be fucking crying or screaming or whatever like i was like probably I don't know, seven, eight, nine, some of these times. Mm. And obviously, like, I was crying and I was worried for Cormac, but, like, I still thought what you were doing wasn't wrong. And that was the maddest thing of it all. Do you know what I mean? I still looked up to what you were doing at that age. And I never, like, even when I used to defend you to man, everything like that. And it was mad because I know that kind of put a split between me and Cormac and Owen, maybe, because I was looking up to things you were doing. And, like, Cormac was taking the blunt of it. And Owen was at times, too. We all took the blunt of it at times. But like we all took the brunt of each other at times. It's not like it was just it wasn't just you. Yeah. But I definitely feel like there was a split between me and Nasty. Probably be because Nasty being Owen for anyone who doesn't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Nasty being the the third brother. But um just and they're like, if you look at me and Owen now, we're probably best friends. You know yeah. what I mean? So like it just like when we we're younger, we like we were nowhere near, I wasn't near as close with Owen as I was with you and Cormac. And then as we got older, maybe because me and Owen are close in age as well, but now we're like fucking best friends really so it's mad how things turn out like that bitterness between us is completely gone and it was like there was a weird thing going on with us when we were younger and now it's completely gone i'd say i do remember you know? that i was really thinking that this morning about the way you and owen are so close now because when we were younger like back at that time it was it was always me and you like even and then Cormac and owen were kind of forced together nearly maybe i don't know yeah yeah I don't know. They're forced to together like, like they had to team up you see they, they always had, had to team up because it was always yeah. me and you yeah 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 and um which isn't right either but like that's just my naivety at the age as well and you being those brother it's just like if you had a favorite and something it was my favorite and the boys used to always rip the piss out of that did you remember yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like for instance Lord of the Rings, Aragon was your favorite. Well, I think it was actually my favorite at the start, but 
the two of us picked Aragon and then like Cormac and Owen would have their favour you know what I mean so yeah. it was always like your so favourite with Man United and stuff like with the yeah, Man United like well. everything everything really but like obviously like that like as I grew older and I became my own man like I had to kind of see the wrong and what you were doing as well because like that went on for years nearly that went on to about 17 I still didn't see what was wrong and what you were doing probably because I was fucking doing it as well yeah you know yeah and so like I, yeah I I do remember that like I took even though all the shit I was doing with I still took great pride in you following in my footsteps, I suppose, because I yeah. still didn't even realize how fucked up I was being. Um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like Crazy. I was taking great pride in, like I would hear, like one of my mates at school, I remember this vividly, came up and showed me a video of you fighting someone yeah, down yeah, in an alleyway. Yeah. And I was proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the mentality we had though. Yeah. You know? And just a bit like it was childish and it's just like it was childish but yeah big like time. it's just it was just the way things were going like it was like the patch you were going down and then like obviously you were happy that i was kind of idolizing you as well do you mm-hmm. know what i mean it probably probably kind of reaffirmed that you weren't doing things too wrong as well in some sense of the word no yeah it was just all, all i could say is just yeah a huge sense of pride with it and it's just hard to look back on because that was, I think that was what made it so, because I, I even remember the first time you came over to London. Do you remember that? Yeah. When I was living in London and I remember you were oh, leaving. When you're living in that little house with the bars on it, wasn't it? Yeah. Like the- <laughs> bars <laughs> on the windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember you coming over there and you leaving. And I remember you got on the bus that Monday morning and I couldn't help it. I started crying or whatever when you were leaving. And then you text me saying that you were as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I then. Like, about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just being like so happy that we had such a strong bond. Yes, and, yes. And it was still like that for a long time after. Like even the first time I went into treatment, and you visited every single week. Yeah. Um. Like you were the only one that visited every single week, and I think then when I know we're skipping well ahead now. Um. But I think then when... That was what, 2017? It was 2017. So then in 2019, I jumped out of an ex-girlfriend's car, got arrested. I was supposed to be off the drink at the time. Um, and you were still standing by me. I remember Katrina saying, Sean's even going to go off the drink. Um, this would start 2019. Sean's going to go off the drink himself to help you. Um, mm-hmm. Looking back on it, that probably created a bit of guilt in me. Um, but sure, that's... Not any nobody was to know that that would do that, but um, and then I jumped out of that car, like I said, one night pissed, got arrested, um, and you completely cut contact for the first time ever. I remember that well. I remember driving to work, and so much had happened in them two years 2017 to 2019. It wasn't just like, yeah, like I had so much faith in you coming out of treatment, I still didn't really believe that you had a problem. I kind of thought it was more so your head that had to be sorted, and I didn't think. Like that, you had to give up drinking and everything and partying altogether. I was still of the mindset. I was like, well, you can do it once a month and then just cut out all the bullshit. Just get your head right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, it started off the first three weeks, we, you came out, you didn't really drink. And then you went out one weekend and then a follow up to the next. And it just kind of, it was a cycle then. It was kind of a bit like I'd go out with you, but then we're a bit back and forth. It was like, I wasn't agreeing with what you were doing, but I was still going out with you. And then we're getting on at times, but then we're having little fucking back spats as well. Yeah. I remember at Christmas as well, I remember we had decided we won't go out 
certain days or something like that. And then you kept on coming back being like, well, it's this day, it's this day, it's this day. And it just kind of went from there. It was like just a bit of a spiral. Like a, it was slow though, in fairness, it was slow. Like there was nothing really bad happening at the time, but it did gradually just get worse. Yeah. And then I felt like because I was kind of going in the other direction as well, I was kind of just getting sick of it. And then we're having like, we're bickering then at that stage, you know, over little things. And then that's where like the kind of the bond was breaking a bit because I was losing faith in you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all the like all the promises you were making, and then it felt like it was similar to having your heart broke by a girlfriend. It was like it felt like betrayal in a sense because you were telling me this, and then you were doing the other thing, and then I was like, if I can't trust you, who the fuck can I trust? You know what I mean? Like we're supposed to be fucking close and all that. So like it kind of went from there, and that's where like obviously a lot of things happened. I'm not going to bring them all up. Shit happened, but when you rang me that time, I remember just thinking, I was like, the mentality I had was, well, what did you do before you drank? Do you know what I mean like what, like what, what made you drink? And you're like, I don't know. And I goes, well, that's just not good enough. And then I hung up the phone, and I was ticked. Like, do you know what I mean? I was angry, and I just couldn't, I could not, I couldn't get it in my head. Is like, what was he thinking before he drank? Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't let that go. It was just, I was at that point where like the anger took over, and I was like, I just can't see the logic in it anymore. You know what I mean? And it was affecting like my everyday as well. But like obviously it affected me worse than when I cut contact. That didn't fucking make things better as, like as I found out after months. But you see where I'm coming from with this though, yeah? It's like a, it was just a, like it was like a, a string of things that led up to it. It wasn't like that one thing that pissed me off the most. It was like the string of things leading up to that, the gradual incline of things getting worse and worse. And then it was affecting, like because it was affecting our home as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I was starting to see, because I was older now, I was starting to see the effects I had on Mad, the effects I had on all of us, especially because Cormac and Nasty were away at this stage. So I was left there with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was left there. So Cormac and no one weren't there to kind of back me up when all this shit was going on, especially when it was with man and dad and that. And then like I was seeing like Dad suffering for it and Mad suffering for it. And like, we all forgive you now. So I'm not going to start dragging all this shit up. No, no, no. This is the reason for this, man. Say yeah. what you want. Say what you want, but honestly. The reason why the bitterness was coming as well is because I was literally, like I was trying to hold it together because man and I were like suffering so much from it. And I could see that. And I was at the age now where it's like, it, it wasn't cool anymore to be doing that shit. You know what I mean? It was past that. Like my mentality had completely switched on the what's cool and what's not. So I didn't see the fucking, I didn't see the applause in any of this. So, and then I was trying to fucking deal with it all. And it just, at that, and then when that phone call came after all that, that's when I was like, well, this is just, too much now it's like i'm just i can't keep forgiving and forgiving and expect him to change do you know what i mean it's like something has to change people have to stop forgiving him he has to stop getting everything like going back to normal when something bad happens i wanted it to be like when you do something there's consequences and you can't just flick the switch in a week and time heals everything you know mm-hmm. that that was my thinking behind this like i was like i was like i can't be forgiving him until he changes it's like i can't just let it be like oh no it's all back to normal now because a week has passed and time heals everything do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's... Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, hell. <laughs> Want to keep going? <laughs> okay, roller coaster. <laughs> no, do you know what? It's funny, like... At the time, I, re- I remember. I remember sitting on that bus. I was after getting out of the cell that was put in that night, and I was sitting on the bus, and I remember that phone call where you rang me, and you asked me, what were you doing before you drank? Yeah. And like, I, that has stuck with me, that question, when I was in treatment, when I'm talking to anyone. Mm. And that's huge because 
no matter what the addiction is or what someone is in, from an outside perspective, if somebody's not in that, they can't understand it. Yeah. And I, I understand that fully. Do you know? Um, I understand that fully now, how that must seem so crazy to someone who, who doesn't have that problem. Yes. Um, f- for me now, the reason why I don't go and pick up a drink is because I'm connected to myself and I'm not... I'm not trying to put on any sort of masks because I didn't notice until the last year or so. But the reason I was drinking was because I had got into a routine, into this habit, I suppose, from when I first drank. Now, it wasn't always a problem the way it was, but drink always for me was to allow me to be someone else. Yeah, yeah. That's what drink always that, that's very relatable as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of yeah. people will will relate with that. That drink allowed me to be someone else. I didn't like who I was, and I just... But it was off the drink then as well. I was trying to be this other person all the time. Do you know, going against yeah. values I had, like, you know, doing things that... Yeah. I keep didn't it up. feel good about doing, but trying to keep up this facade um, that mm. I taught people, the person I thought everyone thought I was... And because it wasn't real, it took up all of my time doing that. And, and the alcohol helped, gave me more confidence to be this person. Um, yes. And it was like, as the years went on, I just got more and more dependent on that. And I got more and more away from who I actually was, which drove me more and more to the drink because I was feeling a lot of shame and guilt. And I had this... It was like this bucket of shame that I was constantly filling. Ever since, like, this goes back to the bus crash because I felt a lot of guilt over that. Like, I never spoke about it, but I felt a lot of guilt that I was still alive and that yeah. five five girls weren't. And a lot you of people said that were- to me very, very soon after the bus crash. I remember it well. You said that really? within, the, within the week after. You probably weren't even thinking when you were talking about this back then, but I remember you said that to me. This would have been... And I was like in the other bed in the same room as you before we would have went to sleep. I remember you just like spewing things, just saying, oh, it's mad. And then it's like, I, I just feel that it's not, it's not right that I'm alive. And they're not, you know? Fuck, I don't remember that. No? No. Sure. Yeah. That's mad. Um, geez. It's funny because obviously I did feel that because I know I felt it, but I didn't know I had expressed it whatsoever. Um. But since then, I'd been, like, all them stupid things that I did growing up, like coming home and even having physical fights with Mick, my father, and Cormac, you probably all one at times. Like, because that wasn't me, I'm, like, I was actually feeling the shame and the guilt from all that. And I just, I constantly blocked it out, constantly kept going down that road. And it wasn't until, so, like, I understand why you wouldn't, you couldn't get wrap your head around why I would be sober and have a drink. It was any situation. It got to, at that point, any situation I was going into, I wasn't comfortable being myself and I felt myself when I was sober. So at that point, I just had to get like a nagging of vodka and neck it just to, to yeah. actually feel like I was going to be myself because I didn't know who myself was without the drink at this stage. So going into any normal situations, I was I was doing that. 
most ninety percent of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it's like for a lot of people that are in addiction. It's it gets to a point at that like at that point I didn't know why I was doing it. It was just my body would react in that way. My body was so used to it. Like, like a fucking habit. I've often <laughs> not even thought of drinking and walked by an off license and just beelined into it. Yeah. It's like a, it was it became a reaction, like like a reaction if you have your phone in your hand and you drop it, you go to catch it. It was a reaction like that, and it's fucked up when it gets that far. Because yeah. And to- was it was it like a reaction to anything stressful or a reaction to everything? Like like if something was good or something was bad, you just first reaction was just that's my solution straight off the bat for everything. Is that what it was though for everything? Like it was. If something was stressful, drink. If something was too good, drink to heighten the good feeling. Heighten, heighten it. That's yeah. what. And like no matter how many times. Like every time I did it, my gut was going 90, telling me not to do it. I never listened to that gut intuition and I would do it. I'd feel that feeling in my gut and I'd be like, oh, something bad's going to happen if I do this. Yeah. Do it anyway. Thinking yeah. I'm going to heighten the experience because I wasn't comfortable feeling the good feelings either. I just wasn't comfortable feeling feelings sober. So it was like, and this wasn't always like this. This was towards the end. Um, as I became further and further away from myself, it went on for over 10 years, gradually, gradually getting worse and worse. And all that shit that I wouldn't like express or all them, that guilt and shame I was holding on to, it was like, it was always in there. And it was always, that was what was the anger was coming out, the violence, whatever it was. Like, I remember you, I remember so many times getting angry when I was drunk and seeing the scared look on your face. Do you know what you used to say to me? Damn I used items. to know straight straight off the bat, straight off the bat, I'd know. Like, you could be fucking sky high, cloud nine. And then, like, it was usually when we're on, like, maybe the second day of drinking. Say we went down on a Saturday, we're drinking the Sunday. And, like, you're, you're very high, but it wouldn't take much for you to drop. And I could see it in your eyes straight away. And I always used to cop it. And then, like, obviously, the, as you said, the fear would fucking click in straight away because I'd know something bad was coming. <laughs> That's literally the best way to describe it. Now you're either going to just do something very unpredictable or say something crazy or something. You know what I mean? And it was just, I could always spot it on you or something like that. It was weird. Like, it was a weird look you used to have. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it was a weird, like, just, it was that. like, <laughs> it was just like, uh, it was just written all over your face that was like, I don't know, like you said, it was obviously just something deep inside you. And you're because you were shutting it off, like it was bound to come out the longer you were out. You know what I mean? It's like there's only so long you can keep it up when you are even drinking. Yeah. Exactly. So but like thinking back to the other times when you used to come home, which it did happen a bit, but I probably don't remember as many as I thinking back, I don't remember as many as I should. Because it did happen a good bit with the coming home. And then, like, a bit of messing going on in the house and shit, didn't it? Like, it happened more than three or four times, yeah? Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. I'd say Cormac could be the best person to get on. Get Cormac on there. We'll ask a few questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. um, I can't handle any more than what I'm handling here. I know. I know. (laughs) But um, Next time I get nasty on Cormac, we'll just... We'll, we'll just rip concept. into you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I genuinely, I wouldn't even mind that. Like, it might be hard to listen to, but I need to hear it. Like, not that I need to hear it, but 
I want to hear it now at this stage because um, even though we've all moved on, we all get on very well, Cormac mentioned this to me before, there's still underlying things that if they haven't been said could cause little maybe irritations or something when yeah. you're in normal day-to-day conversation. I might do something that triggers something in you that annoys yeah. you because of something we haven't healed yet. And that was kind of the point of this conversation. I think this is why I got that feeling to do this um, podcast. Yeah, but an interesting point in what you're saying there is, as we've seen, a prime example was when you and Cormac did a similar podcast together and you were being interviewed, yeah? Yeah. And you know yourself, over time, different stories are perceived in, in our heads differently. Like we all have different truths, so to speak. So do you remember the time when you and Cormac had that fight over the football boots, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, do you see how the, the, the stories differ? So like, I could be carrying something from when I was fucking 10 years old that happened and I might have completely misinterpreted what actually happened and I'm clinging on to that unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And then, like, say something happened nasty at that age. Obviously, there's nothing going on, but what I'm saying is he might have a completely different perception of the story. So it's like, you're right about having to heal these things because first of all, who knows which story is even correct? And second of all, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> so yeah. We have to just like, so we have to just get rid of them because like they don't actually like what it is today is what it is today. Like we are who we are now and we all get on perfectly. Do you know what I mean? But obviously there's underlying things still there and you probably feel them from time to time, but you don't know what it is. Yes. Man. So it's like we'd be better off getting these out and saying them because they don't actually matter anymore. So it's like, why not just say them if there is something that's in your head? It's like, remember that time? Do you know what I mean? Remember that time? I was like, yeah, I remember it, but I don't remember the way you remember it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That's such an incredible point you're touching on there for anyone. Um, if they have anything from any experience they've had that they'd like to clear up with someone to say it, because um, I heard this thing before. I don't know who said it to me, but there's three versions of every story. So say if it was me and you, there's your version, there's my version, and then there's what actually happened. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, we all perceive things differently. And just by saying them, you, you'll even if it's something bad, like... It's acknowledging it. Yeah. And like, it's you, you probably end up laughing about it. And then yeah. there's none of that. Yeah, just see how hold, stupid it is. Yeah. And you're not holding on to any resentment or anything over it. Because it was yeah. me and Cormac. Cormac said that to me, but I know I touched on this already, but he just said... Um, me and Cormac went on a retreat together a few months back and it was we even said we're like we're getting on great now but there's obviously we're working together spending a lot of time together we get irritated at each other at times and most of it is probably from the past yeah. the reasons like different behaviours like if I I've noticed this if I shout whatsoever even if it's a good thing I notice Cormac kind of flinching yeah yeah do you know that kind of way and I noticed yeah. that a long time before he definitely something going way back yeah, you know, so it's like getting them things out can really help your day-to-day life. And I I even believe this for, say, our parents. I just think, especially that generation, they just, Mick said to Cormac recently, we just got on with things. It's like, okay, but how happy are you on a day-to-day basis? I'm not saying he's not, but yeah. for other people, it's like, oh, we just get on with it. It's like, but how genuinely happy are you? Do you get irritated by things easily? Do you react to things badly? Are you, can you sit there with yourself and just be happy in the present moment? Yeah. More than likely not. So it's like um, there's just huge healing in going back and talking about these things. And one thing 
I actually wanted to touch on as well. I thought of it the other day was um, after you, I'm going to go back to that time when you kind of cut off the contact. Shit, you froze. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, you froze yeah. there for a second. Are you back? Ah, it's grand to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. What's the last thing you heard me say? Um, you were just saying something you thought about there the other day. Yeah, I'm just going to go back to where we were talking about where you caught contact and you felt I had to learn my lesson, basically, that not everything can be rosy after one week of me doing something ridiculous. That was probably, I said this to someone there recently, it was probably one of the best things anyone ever did, even though at the time, obviously, it was horrendous. I didn't realize, because I didn't realize you were even affected by it. In my head, I was like, you just didn't care anymore. Jeez, that means I put on a good face. <laughs> yeah, you did. Just remember the fucking times I had to leave the house and go live with Robbie and Gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I with the McDonald's, which was great too, like at times, but or the whole time actually, even though I was still fucking acting the bollocks. But no, nah, but you know yourself, it was like I was able to put on a face when I was around, say, yeah, I'm yeah. still fucking angry, fuck him, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. But like, obviously, that's putting on the fucking face for everybody. Like that's. That's the easy part, but the hard part is like what you were saying earlier, sitting with yourself. When I was sitting with myself, when I was driving to work, when I was driving home from work, all them times I was by myself. It didn't take much for me to get fucking buried down. And even like the best thing I could say is my I did not sleep well. Okay. And like you know, when you're carrying something around with you that's not sitting right with you. It's like my dreams were all dark and it was always you were always in them. I was always either talking to you or else getting pulled away from you, and everything was just it was it was dark. You know what I mean? And I remember I, I was off the drink. Like I wasn't drinking, not that I fucking had to go off it for some reason, but yeah. I just wasn't drinking for a while. <laughs> and then <laughs> I had a few drinks and then I remember having a few drinks and then wherever I was, I was back home and I just burst down crying. I think it was like, there was a song or something came on. I just burst down crying and I, like, I was by myself, but it was just, you know, stuff like that. I never would do that. Never would do that. And it was just because, just it felt like there was a part of me that was wrong. Like I felt like I was doing something wrong. First of all, even though I was, even though I believed in what I was doing, it felt like there was something wrong with what I was with what I was with what I was doing. It felt like there was something wrong with it. It's like it, it was unnatural because I just couldn't I couldn't get past the fact that it's like is this going to be a forever now? Do you know what I mean? Like a whole history of being this close to my oldest brother, and now we're just going to fucking pull apart over this. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I couldn't even see. I couldn't see the silver lining in all of it. You know what I mean? So that was like, yeah, thinking back, it's like, it doesn't even seem that long because it, like, it was only, what, a few months, was it? Six, Four, five six months? seven months. Was it six, seven? I was counting. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought yeah. it just seemed longer than it was. But yeah. yeah, so like, like it was a lot, like that is a long time. Do you know what I mean? It's a long time. Like even being away for six weeks now, it feels like a long time since I've seen people. So you can imagine what that's like when you're not speaking to someone. Mm. So it just, like it was, it was a, like, it was a very time where i felt like i distracted myself a lot of things and like what you were like in london you found it hard to sit with yourself that was probably the only time in my life i find i found it hard to sit with myself even though i still believed in what i was doing <laughs> which is mad and it did work out for the best in hindsight now yeah. like looking at it it did work out but it was like it just it, it was a very unnatural thing that i did and that's how it felt but we can reap the benefits now says you <laughs> you know what's funny and what's weird there hearing you say that 
I was always thinking the exact same thing. I was like, always thinking back to how close we were. And especially when I broke my leg that time when I was 16, you would have been 10. That's when we really got close. Because remember, I was... Yeah, you were lifting the weights in the garage then. And yeah, yeah, I was helping you the weights. And then we got the pull-up bars to do pull-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And like, that's when we started getting really close. I remember very well. And I always used to think then, like when we weren't speaking, I was like, fuck in hell. Like, is this hell? Because I, you said you couldn't see a silver line and I lost all hope for myself. Completely. Um. And it's because I hadn't hit the point yet that actually I wanted to to do to change my life around. I hadn't hit that point, even though you weren't speaking to me, all that stuff. I was after losing a lot of people that year. Um yeah. and from the drinking and from the way I was acting. And even at that, I was still doing it up until I went into treatment that year. I hit a point where I was in that room in Clendalkin and I was trying to I was trying to drink enough every night that particular week so that I wouldn't wake up the next day because that cycle I was in of three or four days back in the gym, I was working in the gym even and I'd get myself right and things would feel good and I'd go back into that trap and I could never pull myself out of it. And this week, just remember, I obviously wasn't at the point where I was like, I'm going to kill myself because otherwise I would have, I don't know, taking something do you know what I mean so yeah, I wasn't at yeah. that point but I just thought I was trying to drink enough vodka because I used to just drink vodka out of the bottle at this stage and I was just trying to drink enough I was like if I drink enough of this my body won't be able to handle it I won't wake up that's the way that's where my mindset was every single yeah. night this week and it was only about seven days into that binge when I was trying to ring it was Kev Kyver's Binks Sneak <laughs> <laughs> <Sneaker> team. Sneak <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him to listen to this. But yeah. uh, it was only when I was trying to ring him and I couldn't actually get, I couldn't speak. My, like, I couldn't, like, there was weird noises coming out. And yeah. then I, at this stage, I couldn't even get to the toilet because um, my legs weren't working. They just wouldn't work. I could barely hold anything. It was just rattling. And it was actually, I had a realization. I remember the moment. I just remember my something switching. And it was like, I don't actually want to die in this room because I was faced with the fact that I am pretty sure I wasn't too far from it. Yeah. Um, and it actually took me to get to that point for that to change. Which is mad to think how healthy you were at the time as well. Like you were training in the gym, you were a trainer in the gym, and you were still able to do that to yourself. People would have thought. That's tough. Oh, yeah, I was living two different <laughs> lives. People would have thought I was the picture of health. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what's crazy. Like, if nobody would ever predict something like that, that just shows how little you know. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, it took to get to that point, and actually, it was only when Katrina came up and seen me. And and I still, I still, before, I, it was two weeks before I went into treatment. Um, after that, and I still had one more little fucking ep- one more little drink before it, but like it was just a tester. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just a goodbye. <laughs> Pardon, last that was. But look, fuck it. The only thing you can do is laugh about it now. Like, exactly, exactly. You have to see the funny side to all of it. No point in ever. Like, I am grateful for every single experience that exactly. has happened in my life now, and it has taken me. It's over two years since I went to treatment. Had a couple of fuck ups since, but. Like, I needed all that. Like, 
I was I was um, cruising for 18 months after treatment, no alcohol, no nothing, but I was stagnant. And like, yeah, I was, I needed a fuck up to, to, just the one, to shove me to go deeper, deeper into myself. And to, I didn't know what it was that I was still missing. Okay. I was doing all the stuff correctly, working with comic, everything was sweet, perfect, doing yeah. everything right, going to a psychotherapist still because I knew there was something wasn't fully there yet and I was very aware of it and I had a fuck up and I made a mistake and I'm human and it doesn't matter like straight away when I made that mistake I knew something good was going to come of it and it drove me deeper into myself and it I ended up because of that actually connecting with myself I realized why I had been running away from myself for so long and it was when I did that and when I started forget what I really noticed is it's I always punished myself I always hated myself not that I always knew it but I did and it was when I connected back to myself and started forgetting about other people's opinions forgetting about what everyone else is thinking I felt such huge pressure after treatment with starting Wolf Academy with Cormac and all this stuff I felt huge pressure um to be a certain way and to have people see me a certain way. Um, because I'd done, because I'd fucked up so many times, I, I was afraid even, you know, to, to shout in front of Cormac or to say something negative in front of anyone, because I'd be afraid to be thinking, Oh, he's going back, you know? And so that was huge pressure to put on myself. And by constantly thinking of everyone else's opinion, it was driving me to, to that fuck up. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and now because, all I'm doing is thinking of myself. No, like that sounds not. <laughs> it's classic Mac Tear. I'm only messing. Yeah, I know exactly. I came out wrong. I came out wrong. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. You have in to be situation, yourself in order to fucking help everyone else. I'm thinking about how things will affect me if I do them, not about how people are going to perceive me if I do them. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I told you already. When I did that three day quest in the woods, okay? Um, like I said, no food, no books, no phone, no light. Got dropped there so that I didn't even have a way out. I was in a very secluded place, no, not walking distance from anywhere. Had a tent. Um, didn't even bring a light for when it was dark. And there was 14 hours darkness at this stage because it was only two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I just had to literally sit myself. And it rained for 90% <laughs> of the time. So I sat in the tent with nothing. I had a bottle of water for two and a half days. But on the first day, it eased up raining at one stage. And um, I went for a walk. And I walked upstream. Like, there's nothing human touched about this place. And I came across this man-made wooden frame. It looked like a frame where someone could throw a tarp over. Had all a little fireplace, um, little grill, little pot. So obviously someone would come there. He'd even left his tent and all covered. So... He obviously comes and stays there, or her, don't know, him or her. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, you don't know. And um, when I was leaving, this red cap caught my eye as I was walking away. I bent down, picked it up. It was a full bottle of Jameson, right? Jameson whiskey. Then I looked at chances. it and I looked around. I was like, nah. And I opened it because I was like, this, it's, it can't be whiskey. Like, what are the chances? Like, it's probably something that the guy has just left in a whiskey bottle that he uses there. I don't know. Smelled it, 100% Jameson whiskey. Closed it back, put it down, 
I stood there for a second. I picked it up again and I opened it second time. And I took a really long sniff of, of the whiskey. And I was just thinking, how would I feel if I drank this? Like, what would that do for my life? These were the questions in my head. And I actually started laughing. Okay, I just did a bit of a snigger just at the whole irony of the situation that I came out here to get away from everything, which I did, but to stumble across a fucking full bottle of whiskey. And I still have 48 hours before I still have 48 hours before I knew someone was picking me up. Um closed it back, put it down, and I walked away. And it was when I walked away, I was thinking, I started thinking about other people. Um, and then I was like, that was so easy for me to walk away. I was like, do you know, that would have been an ideal situation for me before because yeah. I slipped. If people didn't find out, I genuinely didn't feel like it happened. Yeah, exactly. Because all I ever did was think about other people's opinions. What That was so easy to walk away, I realized, because I actually thought about how I would feel about it before I thought about how everyone else would look at me. And it's the I game didn't know... Huh? That's the game changer right there. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what had changed. I The last five months, I don't even know how long it is, something really shifted in me, and I didn't know what it was. I just knew I felt great. I was feeling feelings of happiness, joy, even love. I'll throw that word out there. Carmen could love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I was feeling feelings of that, of those things, contentment even, that, I didn't know existed. I wasn't missing them feelings because I didn't fucking know you could have such feelings like that. Yeah. And I didn't know why though. And it's because I actually am not punishing myself anymore. And like, yeah. and I'm, and I'm, I suppose looking after myself better, like I'm not thinking about other people's opinions because we cannot control. Like you have to start with yourself. Yeah, like you can't control what anyone else is going to judge or what anyone else is going to think. And it's not their fault. They're going to judge you in a way due to the conditioning they have, due to the way they were brought up. Like there's nothing you can control by, your, by yourself. Yeah, it's a crazy story. I feel like we should write this down on manuscript and insert it into the New Testament. That's <laughs> fucking biblical. <laughs> it was mad it is though isn't it it's yeah, literally it was, something you read out of the bible it was mad you know? because I had the next two days it was three full days I was there practically in the forest so for two days I had a bottle of whiskey 15 minutes from me like the irony of that yeah it's, and like, it's insane and I had like I, I went into that very naive I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was but a few of the things I took from that one was that realisation that I actually had love for myself now. Like, it sounds very simple, but it's not. Like, when, you, when you've spent your entire life um, actually punishing yourself, like, I used to actually punish myself for a lot of the stuff I did. When, it, yeah. like, say, over in London, if I went on the piss all weekend, I'd have money, but I would not allow myself to eat anything nice for the whole week. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. reason to do that. Only... I would punish, punish, yes. punish myself. I think we still do that in certain contexts as well. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I think it's a trait we all have, whether it's like, it might not be that extreme, but we, we still do it in little ways. Mm. All of us, I feel, which is quite funny. <laughs> we'll get to that now in a second. But um, yeah. yeah, just getting that realisation um, was, 
absolutely incredible. And like, because we're so used, like three days alone in a dark forest with nothing but water, like that might not be a challenge to, to a particular person. But to for someone like me, or most people in our society who have iPhones, who are a click of a button away from speaking to someone, who have food in abundance, yeah. like we can sit and stuff ourselves every day if we want. You know, that's a massive challenge because not used to that. Like I yeah. remember the first night actually detoxing. I felt like I was detoxing from society and from technology. And it, it, the detox was like fear, anxiety of not being able yeah. to find out if someone was okay or... You know, having all these thoughts like, what if, like, the person who dropped me there, what if she crashed on the way back? Like, yeah, yeah. um, or like, what if, like, how's Cormac doing or, or anything? It's like when you can't actually ask someone, this fear creeps up because we're so used to being able to do it. And that yeah. was like a detox. And when, after it took actually two and a half days mm-hmm. before I was fully, well, not, I don't know if I was fully, but before I could kind of settle a bit. Two and a half days of sitting with kind of these odd, odd feelings with moments of calm as well. I was, I was very pleased with myself and how well I could handle it. Very happy. Um, but it was only after about two and a half days that I kind of got out of my own way. And I just let all these ideas come in. And if that's where I got the idea for this podcast and just so many different things I was able to think of because I hadn't had the distraction of anything. Yeah, that it's was a long, only it's a long time to be sitting there with all them thoughts. It is like yeah. I can only imagine. I haven't done anything like it, so I can't relate. But I want to do something similar. But Jesus Christ, I can only imagine the amount of thoughts and mm. how long it must have felt. Because, like, like you said, we, we have so many distractions now. Like, when do you actually sit with your thoughts? And if you do, I guarantee it's not more than half an hour a day, no. max. And if like, even sure. Yeah. So for two and a half days of that. And then, and then, do you know what as well? Being out in nature, like these words started coming out of my mouth and that was connect with nature, connect with yourself, connect with others. If people don't, like I just felt, I don't know why this came to me. I was like, if somebody, people are always like, oh, connect with yourself. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, (laughs) honestly, what does that mean? I say it myself. Very vague. Yeah, very vague. I kind of realized then, I was like, if you want to connect with yourself, start by going out into nature and sitting in it and listening to it. Maybe going for, just going for a walk in nature with your thoughts. Um, yeah. Because in the forest or at the sea, I think for me, it's the forest, the woods, being around trees as well. Like yeah. You're away from and with no phone, even if it's for half an hour a week, and give yourself time to think because... I feel like the trees and the land and that kind of thing, it can kind of take a bit of the burden of life off you while you're in there. If you're not being distracted by it, i.e. Yeah. your phone, it can kind of, you feel lighter. You feel a lot lighter in there. You feel like you're away from everything. Like you're kind of being like the trees are kind of holding you in there. And that's how I feel anyway. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> sound like mad here but like (laughs) but honestly that's and like just by doing that a bit more regularly and getting away from basically just getting away from the phone the phones are great but getting away from them now and again getting away like you have to starve yourself from everything i feel in in a certain like to a certain degree you should starve yourself from things to see how you are without them 
Yes. You shouldn't, you shouldn't need certain things to be able to cope. You shouldn't, like, you know what I mean? I always go on little journeys with things where I'm like, right, I'm going to cut that out in the morning and see, see what happens. It's like, a, like Andrew Huberman always says, it's like, be your own scientist. Don't just hear something and know it. It's like, I always try to take it on. It's like, right, I'll try that out. And if it works, it works. Or like, see how I feel when I do it. Do I feel shit or do I feel better? You know what I mean? I always just do these little fucking little tests, if you will, on myself just to see how I feel after them. And then if I do feel good, it's like, right, I'm going to do this, say, three days of the week, I'm going to not look at my phone till fucking six o'clock in the evening. Something like that. And just take the whole day off it. You know what I mean? And focus on other shit. Because, yeah. I think that's unbelievable that you can do that because a lot of people can't. I wouldn't have been able to do something like that until the last six months. Like, you know, I've only got comfortable yeah. with myself because doing anything like you've said there, you have to sit with yourself. And like like yeah. I was saying, going into nature without your phone and stuff, you kind of just have to sit with your thoughts. Yeah. And not, we're in such a distracted society that we just don't do it. And I think the, the more we distract, the further from ourselves we become, the further from other people yeah. then. We get more detached from Thank everyone you. else. Like, And I just think a great way to start is by going back into into nature whether it's for a half an hour walk whether you go outside and plant a plant whether you like whatever it is just do something good for the planet i think or the earth that's how i feel that's what's like if you if you can't even get into nature it's like what i'm doing in the morning because it's fucking pissing rain here at the minute before training i get up about two hours before training and i just don't listen to anything so i'm doing move to freedoms shout out to wayne mcgrath Doing all his movement. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing all his movement in the morning. I literally just wake up, drink water, sometimes have a coffee. Not always. That's another thing I don't, I try not to even have every day. Little things like that. And I used to always listen to a podcast, distraction from the off. And as I'm doing it, the two hours would fly by. Mm. And then I'd be listening to a podcast and like, but nothing wrong with that. But just as of late, it's like I have all the time in the world. Like I go to training for two hours and then I come back, I can listen to a podcast after. So in the morning, I literally go and sit in silence and do all my movements and just let whatever thoughts come in, come in. And if they flow out, they flow out. I just let everything come in and just see, like, try not to fucking dwell on things. But like, I'm in a good mind frame where I think I'm not worried about what's going to come in. So, and even if something bad did come in, I feel like I can fucking take it on anyway and be like, right, I can see what's going on there. I need to remedy that somehow. Do you know what I mean? And the only way you're able to do that now is because you're actually sitting and letting them flow in. So yeah, like, exactly. You let them flow, you can let them go. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I wouldn't really do back home much because I'd always be like, I, I still am doing, doing, doing over here, but not to the same degree at home where it's like you wake up and you're like, you're straight to work and then from work to the gym or to train and then from home you have to get dinner or whatever. Like, there's always something going on. You ring someone, you're chatting to people. And it's like, here, I, I do have a lot of time to sit with myself, the same as the first time I was here. But now I do it in a different way. Like, I used to distract even though I was by myself last time, like I'm with Becky now and I feel like last time I distracted myself more than I do this time, mm-hmm. even though I'm with someone because like, I just like, I won't even pick up the phone to put on podcast nonstop. Sometimes I'm just like, right. And like, th- this could be even later on in the evening. I won't have the TV on. I'd just be doing more of Wayne McGrath stuff. Cause he's a motherfucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's Daryl here. Unfortunately, the podcast got cut off at that point. So myself and Sean had to continue on on a different day, which is the next part that comes up.
Okay, Gambi. Uh, so we got cut off the last time. Uh, Mid-flow, Cormac logged into the Zoom. Wait, calm guy. Back up. Um, not that I can remember exactly what we were talking about last time, but there was just a couple of things came into my head that I actually wanted to ask you off different to what we've been already talking about. But um, when you were, what age? So you, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what age am I now? No, 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 no. I wanted to actually talk about was something that I don't even think we've ever really spoke much about it, but what it was like for you when you found out that you had type 1 diabetes. Um, like what? Because that was obviously a huge life-changing thing to happen at, what, 16? 15, 16? Yeah, 16. 16. And because the reason I thought about it is because it's not something you ever mention or ever complain about. Yeah, or, and you haven't let it affect your life. Obviously, yeah, I think you haven't let it stop you doing anything. Whereas, I know when I talk to some other people that know people with type one diabetes, and like they're like, "Oh, I can't do this because of it. I can't do that." So, yeah. I think it's pretty cool the way you haven't let it affect you in that way. But yeah, so tell me what it was like finding out. Yeah, see, at the time when I got diabetes, I was after having three heart operations. If you remember. I was in so, what I do remember, yeah. So, like, it wasn't like it was a big shock. Like, I've been in hospital so much in a year. Like, I think it was a year previous. I got it in around January, February um, when I was 16. So, how many years ago? Nine years ago. So, a year previous, I had a heart operation. Wasn't successful. Had another heart operation. Wasn't successful. And then I went back playing football with all these monitors and stuff and to figure out what was going on because they couldn't get the root of the cause. So then when I went back in for another heart operation about a year later after the first two, they were finally successful. They found scar tissue on the left ventricle and they burnt it out. I was in theater for about five, six hours. And if you remember, I was awake for it this time because they couldn't get my heart rate up when I was on full anesthetic. So they had to just sedate me so I could feel it. Like it was keyhole now. So it's not like they were cutting open my shirt or my heart or anything like that. And I was lying there fucking blood everywhere. <laughs> but um, it was just keyhole. So they had a curtain from my belly button up, there was like a curtain and a load of doctors from like my belly button down working and they just pulled the curtain over so I couldn't see what they were doing, right? But I could see the shadow of all them and I could see all the like the scissors and the knives and everything. And that was kind of throwing me off. I don't know what they were doing with it because like it was keyhole surgery up through my grind, but they were constantly incisioning in through my grind. It was probably about, I don't know, six or seven incisions, three on either side or something like that through both grinds. And um, I could see everything they were doing. So they sedated me a good bit at the start, but then it kind of eased off because they'll get my heart rate up. And I remember, um, I remember just like waking up and feeling like this ridiculous pain coming up through my grinds. And then I could kind of feel the burning sensation in my chest. And I was, like, I was getting more awake, but I wasn't awake enough to be able to signal to the, the nurses and the doctors to give me more sedation. Because I was in there for five to six hours. You'd have to ask Ma how long I was there for, but it was about five to six hours in theater. And I don't know how long I was awake for, but like obviously when you're in there and you're feeling all this, it feels like a lifetime without being fucking dramatic about it. But, um, and then I just remember like them constantly doing things and just seeing all the scissors and just being like, this is fucking messed up. Because obviously at that age, you're like, what's going on? You know what I mean? I'm just feeling like the burning sensation and they're pumping adrenaline into me so it would get my heart rate up. 
so obviously the whole experience i'm not going to keep going into detail about it, but the whole experience was like a bit messed up in my head and then they said they were successful though so i was like after i was like just thank god it's worth it i was like thank god like because after having two unsuccessful i was like imagine if this isn't the end of it so i came out and they're like we finally found the scar tissue on the left ventricle and we burnt it out so i was just like jesus thank god like that's it like that's that's more or less it over and then went home after the opera after a few days in the hospital went home and was recovering but i just was not recovering so i was at home for about two weeks and I felt absolutely shit and just was not recovering like just constantly going to the toilet constantly trying to drink water quench me thirst ended up getting blood tests done then turned out with type 1 diabetes and they think the cause of it was due to the stress from the like it couldn't be that much of a coincidence that i got it two weeks after the operation yeah so that's so like to go back to your question the, the feeling was more the, the feeling was more so just like like i didn't even have the energy because i was so fucked i was actually just at the time i was happy that there was a dying like they were able to diagnose what was going on because i felt so bad i couldn't even think past like just because i was starting to feel better because he got me on the drip and i was getting hydrated again i was just like jesus i feel like is this what it's like to feel normal do you know what i mean after feeling so bad for like because before the operation i wasn't feeling good and then after i wasn't feeling good so when i finally got hydrated i was like i feel good now so i couldn't really think about anything like else other than just this is what this is what i should feel like so obviously i was in hospital for then two weeks so a time for that to sink in and then i was kind of like this is going to have to be a lifestyle change this is the kind of stuff i was thinking but i did have people in there like there's a fella next to me in the current be like after a while it's going to be like scratching your head so it's kind of like, yeah, like I'll get used to it. I'll be able to deal with it. And um, yeah, so came out of hospital and then did kind of try to go back to normality. Like I was thinking about going back to football mostly. It was on my mind. But at some point when I got out of hospital after a couple of months, I just hit this stage where I was like, fuck, fuck all this. I was like, fuck like this, living the perfect life. And like not being able to do things and all that shit. So I kind of went on a little rebellious streak for... When you say perfect life, as in doing everything the doctors told you to do with... Yeah, I was, I was, rebel yeah, I was rebelling against what the doctors were telling me to do because I was just sick of it all. Do you know what I mean? Like, it had been so long and then I just... I was just kind of... I wasn't playing the pity me game, but I was kind of like, I can do this. Even though you're, like, One thing I will say is they put a lot of limitations on me saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. And as you know, I kept them fucking proving them wrong by saying, yes, I can do that. Like even little things, I just I never go out. Me, you could never get a tattoo. A childish mentality. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then Daryl brought me to get a tattoo, and then I so I said to them, I was like, so I can't get a tattoo, and they're like, no, you definitely can't get a tattoo. I was like, well, I have one on my back, so like, and it's not infected, so it seems all right. They're like, oh yeah, show me. I showed them like, oh yeah, well, that's all right, but you can't get any more. They said, <laughs> fucking. And then anyway, so. As you probably remember as well, I kind of like I was still I was still mad into football and stuff and still like wanted to train and all that, but I wanted to fucking like be a normal teenager as well and live and drink and party like everyone else, you know. And it did get me into trouble because I was probably like I probably shut them down at the way I was doing it. But um, yeah, like you say, I don't complain about it. It's because I actually like I don't even complain to myself about it too much. I just literally I. I accepted it very early on and I just knew that it was going to be part of me. So I was like, I can either just beat it or I can moan about it. It's like, it's one or the other. That's why I do believe that you are given things like that in life as a test. And 
people are usually given it who can beat that. That's the way I look at it now anyway. Obviously, it still gets you down at times. And there's times you're like, like it can like pull you back from, you can feel like it's pulling you back from doing or from achieving what you might be able to achieve without it. But then again, what's actually, what's it holding me back from? It's keeping my diet on par. It's keeping me more like aware of what I'm doing because I can't just poison myself or else I will fuck, like I will end up in hospital as it, what happened before, you know? So like, I can't just live that lifestyle of like drowning myself and fucking parties and all that. Like I can't do that because I, like, I will end up in hospital straight off it. So I am... Like it's, it's nearly like a sense of gratitude for it because it keeps me in line. It's like a constant check to be keeping my diet on point and to be keeping looking after myself, even though it does cause, like, even though it can interrupt other things. But it's like, that's the way I look at it now. And I try to look at it. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. What you said there, the last bit, the gratitude, having gratitude for it. I think if you can find gratitude, in any of those challenges like that's what that's what really builds somebody's character 100 percent. like i'd literally say most of my character was built because of all that shit that happened when i was younger like all the like do you remember the time i ended up in hospital after it when, when i went i was in college and met all the boys in dublin didn't bring some of my injections with me oh, didn't take them and ended up Josie. in the icu then josie swank was with you Josie Swank was with me, the Joe Swag. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Joe Clank. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to, well, I only met Joe up there. I actually went out with all my college mates and then met Joe up there. And then he came back on me that day. He knew that I was sick just by like, I was literally nearly green in the face. I thought it was just from the drink. I thought it was just from be- being drinking that night. And it turned out that like I was having a DK, which is serious, like brought straight to ICU. I never forget how bad it felt. But see, it's things like that that, like, like even at that time, I was like, like the whole rebellion thing had been gone. Like I was well, like, like because I, I obviously a few things had happened before that that kind of put me on a more, like, made me grow up a lot quicker as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it definitely made me like, I probably wouldn't be as wise as as wise as I am now, Shaj, if this didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm only messing, but like. I had to grow up a lot quicker. So like a few things might have happened before that. And then like, I might've had more of a head on me, but then I still like when I drank, I still probably was like still a bit childish, but then I remember that one distinctively because I was after ending up in the ICU. I was like, I seen how serious it was then. And like how lucky I was that like, I did actually go to the hospital because how bad I was. But um, it definitely, it definitely built my character and my beliefs into what I'm doing now. Like, and why, I love living the lifestyle I live because like I've such an appreciation for being healthy. Like if I'm ever sick, like even a small bit sick, it doesn't happen too often, but I did get a bacterial infection over here. But when I come through them things, I have like a different sense of gratitude for life and a different lease of life, like even more energy than I had before. Cause I do have a lot of energy for life as it is. And like, I, I think a lot of that is because I know what it's like to have zero energy for weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like then times when I was younger and I had zero energy and I could, could not get out of the bed. I couldn't even have a hot shower without nearly fainting. That time when my heart was bad. I used to come out of the shower and nearly be flat on the ground. Like I couldn't have a hot shower. So I was like this, like it's like, felt like, like I felt very weak for a 16, 17 year old. Like I just felt very like, like my, that I couldn't take much. 
And then in comparison to what I'm like now, where I feel like I can take on fucking anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm very healthy and, like, whatever comes at me, like, physically or whatever, like, anything that I might have to fight off, it doesn't seem like a challenge anymore. Like, I feel like I, feel like I get stronger now as I get older, which is something I didn't, like, I didn't think when I was that young that I'd be, like, what I am now. So I am proud of how much I was able to build myself up after all that. And I think the reason why I have the energy I have is because, like I said, I know what it's like to have none, like, zero. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it is, it's an appreciation for little, like, you see how excited I get things about little things in life. The little things bring me a lot of joy and that is 100 million percent down to all them bad times. That's why I get so much, like, little, like, so much joy from, like, the tiny things that, and it nearly seems childish at times because it's like, why am I getting joy out of that? Like, I even say it to myself, it's like, why are you getting joy out of that? But that, now I'm starting to see as I get older, it's like, it's a great thing to have. Yeah, don't question that. Yeah, it's like, I don't even question it anymore. Like, I'm just like, I'm actually just happy that I see a lemon and I'm like, look at that lemon. Look how yellow it is. And I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> Standing there in the morning at half five, looking at a bowl of lemons being like, this is unreal. <laughs> you know? Oh, fucking hell. You... Definitely made me a bit crazy, Shaj. <laughs> well, no, why you touched on there? Like, those dark, like, without... Because so much with this, um, I don't know why, I don't like using the word, but like mental well-being and positivity, you know, it's, people think that the darkness and the bad times are a bad thing. Yeah. I wouldn't even call them the bad times. The darkness and the challenges are a yeah, bad thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they are what give you, like what you said, that appreciation for the good things. And like it's, no matter how, how dark or bad something might seem or challenging, like you can always come out the other side of it. Yeah. And it gives that. you that belief though, doesn't it? It gives you that belief that, that there is another side. If you don't have challenges, you don't really believe that there is going to be another side unless you come through it. Yeah. There's no, there's no light without the death. There's no good, yeah. without the bad. there's no, um, yeah. Like there's, it's just a balancing act. Like there's always going to be those challenges and you just need to find a way for yourself to walk through them. Yeah, it's like for you, like if, you're, if you were to relate this back to yourself from being so low and to come through it into another side, it's like it would take a lot for you to get into a hole and not know that there's another side because of what you've already come through. Like it would take a big, dark fucking hole for you to be like, oh, there's no light. Do you know what I mean? And that's why experiences literally shape you. And that's why when you have experiences, you can, you can help others because if someone hasn't had many challenges, they might not be able to see the light that you can see because you've been through fucking worse, you know? And like the point about it being is it's not like when you're coming through anything, you think back to the worst times. I don't even think about that. But now that we're talking about it, I know that's why I think the way I do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like a lifelong thing of like, oh, like always battling them fucking old demons. Like I don't even think about that anymore. Now that I talk about it, it, it resonates as to why, I am the way I am now. So it's just, like you said, character building. That's what it is. Yeah, it just it shapes the way you react to things now. Yeah, big time. And it's the same the other way around. <clears throat> it's the same the other way around. Um, but what I was going to ask you was, so you're over in Thailand now, mm -hmm. training in Muay Thai. Yes, what, sir. What's your plans with that? My plan is to see how far I can go with it. That's the plan to see how good I can get to see 
how I get on in a few a few bouts, hopefully, a few fights. And just to see what happens. Like my Thai isn't the only martial art I want to learn. Like it's just it's it's the passion of mine to like I'm loving it now and I want to learn it, but I want to learn, I want to travel the world as you know, learning all different martial arts from the origins. But like I love my Thai probably Well, at the minute, the most because it's the only one I've really given time into. But um, yeah, like I'm trying to like I've been trying to get a fight since I've been here. It's not really happening because only the pros of the pros are getting them because COVID and whatnot, and I haven't got any. So I need to go. Probably I'll probably get one quicker when I come back to Ireland because I'll probably get an amateur fight. They're not doing any amateurs at, over here. So I was going to get a pro fight, but they wanted to fake my record and stuff. So that wasn't really going to work out. But um, and even at my weight as well, it's hard for me to get a tie because there's not many ties in around eighty kilos. So. It just didn't work out, but it might still yet, but I can't see I can't see it happening. I'll probably come home and I'll probably get an amateur, I'd say that's the plan. But apart from that, you asked me what's my reason for it. That's that's kind of the end goals with it. But one of the, my reasons for it is it makes me a better person on the daily. I'm at my best self when I'm training, 100 percent So like it's not all just to do with the end goal of like, I need to get this fight. I need like, I do think in the back of my head, like I'd love a fight and I'd love to get a bow, but it's not to be all and end all for me. It's more so who I am, like how happy I am when I'm training, how much I enjoy learning the martial arts and just, I'm my best self 100 million percent when I am training. So this time when I come home, I'm just going to have to find the Mai Tai gym and just make it work with work. So that, like, I know, because like, it just brings me that much joy that I am much better when I am training. And everyone has a niche, like, a thing that they love doing that makes them, that they feel that they're, like, at their peak. Like, everything's at my peak. Like, my patience is better. I'm just, I'm, I have more energy from training. It doesn't drain my energy. I have more energy from it. So it's like, if I don't train, it's not like I have more energy because I'm not training. It's like I get energy from the training and bring it out everywhere else I go. So, that's yeah, that's, like your, that's how I would answer that. You hit the nail on the head there with, that's what brings you joy. So you're like, we always say to the, we say to the students, it's like, write out a list of things that bring you joy and make sure you're doing at least one of them every day. Even if it's a small thing, you know, even if it's a small thing, yeah. make sure every single day you're doing something that brings you joy. If it's training, yeah. if it's singing, if it's dancing, if it's, spending five minutes by yourself, like whatever it is, there's no reason not to do something every single day that brings you a little tiny bit of joy because life, yeah. that's, that's what life is actually about because we spend so much time, most people spend so much time doing shit every day they don't want to do, whether it's hating yeah. their job, whether it's being in school, whatever it is, people are always, doing, so it's like, give yourself even 15 minutes or, more but at least 50 minutes every day doing something that brings you joy yeah yeah but so like, don't put the happiness on hold don't be just like it's easy to do though see what you're saying about work is like you might make great money in work but you hate it but you're like well if i keep working like this for four years well then i'll have this in four years and then i'll ha have the time to be happy but it's like do you really want to knock four years off your life when like you can try find something that you might not enjoy as much but enjoy the process give yourself time to enjoy something to enjoy the process you might get there a bit slower, but at least you're not wasting years. That's what I was going to say when you said there, you're, it's, um, it's not even about the end goal. That's what Cormac always says. Have your end goal 
but make sure you're enjoying the journey because every experience getting like there is no real end goal in life because it's not like you're ever going to get to somewhere and be like okay i'm done now so yeah you must no not you must but it's very beneficial to enjoy the journey yeah Uh, Yeah, literally that is it's one of the best things like to just have in your head is like enjoying the journey you just that's life it takes away it takes away all the like that that anti-climax when you do reach something because you've, you've already enjoyed it all the way up so like it's, it, sh- it should just be a bonus really shouldn't it everything should just be a bonus at the end and that's why your dreams should be so audacious and fucking delusional nearly so that you're always chasing something and then you're like you're enjo- but like enjoying the process as you get there so that if you do reach that end goal you're like holy fuck like how did I get to that absolute crazy thought that I ever had you know like you should be like should again yeah um what other word would you use shaj (laughs) (laughs) i hate preaching but like yeah it's it's just beneficial beneficial yeah it's beneficial beautiful it's beneficial to have an end goal that is like it nearly is delusional just so that it's not like something you can just reach straight away and then it has like these steps to get there but like as long as like it's something that you're passionate about at the end of it because then you will enjoy getting there and if, but, um, if your goal is that big anyway, and you get even halfway. Exactly. Like, and you'd be satisfied by halfway because the end point is fucking crazy enough as it is. And even halfway is like more than satisfactory. Mm-hmm. It's like, I only recently had my own vision. I'm not going to share it, but, and like, that's already given yeah, me. I'd heard of it. And then I was, I was going to actually ask, and I was like, I won't on this because someone will rob you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even that in itself, like that's already given me like this, 100%. It's cool vision, Like new lease, yeah, new lease of energy and like kind of helping with helping me come to terms with what I'm doing and not feel like I'm wasting time as well. You know what I mean? Because like obviously I have little goals with things, but like at least what I'm doing is what like what I put all my time into is like I was kind of questioning, I was like, am I putting all my time into something that's going to serve me in the future or am I just doing it like for, for no reason just because I love it or whatever? Like so it's good to, it's it's good to know that what I'm doing will hopefully serve me in the future. Yeah, and last thing I'm going to say on that is having that vision for yourself in the future will actually be such a huge driver in getting you through any sort of shitty challenges that you face if you just have that clear vision of where you're trying to get to. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Stalled a bit there. Thanks very much, Gambi. No problem, old Shaji. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I will see you when you're Appreciate back. Appreciate the chat.